0: Hi there, Karolina Todd speaking, and this is the Level Up Engineering podcast. Today, my guest is a seasoned professional who has an impressive resume. He played a huge role in the success of Ustream, which was acquired by IBM, and um, I had the honor of collaborating with him in the preparation of the stretch conference, and then I witnessed his exemplary determination as well. Today, my guest is Gergely Hodicska, a.k.a. Felhu, who is currently the VP of Engineering at Bitrise. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here.
0: We are so happy to have you. Um, please tell us a bit about yourself and what you're passionate about.
1: Hmm. I started my career as a backend engineer. I was involved in in uh, websites part of alexa 30 so it's very huge traffic and i really liked building these distributed systems and system with high availability and then uh, i started to turn my attention into management and leadership because there are many people who are very talented in engineering but i think less people is interested in uh, these topics and i realized that if you want to improve Uh, as an organization, and we need to improve this capability as well. Even my role changed a lot. I became an engineering manager, then senior engineering manager. Of course, nowadays I, my understanding of being an engineering manager is very different uh, than what I did like 15 years ago or 10 years ago. But nowadays I'm very passionate about anything related to leadership management, organizational development, culture is a very, uh, important topic for me i'm very dedicated to creating a culture where people can thrive and they can move towards their full potential so creating such an environment is maybe the most important aspiration for me even at bitrise
0: thank you it sounds like you are the perfect guest for this episode um <laughs> So let's jump right in and say today our topic of discussion is around the importance of soft skills in engineering leadership and in leadership in general. So let's start by exploring why we talk so much about soft skills these days and and perhaps let's define what those are in your head so we can all be on the same page.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, let me start that it. Uh... We tend to call those soft skills, but probably those are the harder, hard skills. (laughs) And even nowadays, many people just call them like people skills or leadership skills. And I can confidently say that uh, those can be really hard because it's difficult to learn them and difficult to get good at them. Uh, And it takes some time to internalize them. And by people skills, we can think about like empathy, facilitation, collaboration, negotiation, conflict resolution, and many of those topics. And by leadership skills, it can be like articulating a vision, establishing a strategy, balancing operational and strategic concerns, acting as a servant leader, and and many others communication. So there are so many topics uh, which belongs under this umbrella. And I think in, in this discussion, I will mainly focus on the on the people scales, because I think even uh, even even among the soft scales, the people scales are the harder <laughs> soft scales. So I think the reason why soft scales are more important because the world changed a lot in the last few decades. So if you think about that, everything, is just much more complex. Customer behaviors, uh, the market, everything is is much more complex. We just coined this term, this "Ruka" word, which, which means like volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And it's, it may sound a bit like bullshitty, but uh, actually this is what is happening in the world right now. The organizations are facing with a much higher pace of change, driven mainly by globalization and, and, uh, and the change of technology. And if the internal change capability of a organization cannot meet this external change demand, then that company will quickly or slowly die. Another big change is the, the millionaires. So now more and more people were grew up in a network-based society. So they are not really like uh, working in a more hierarchical uh, structures they are trying to connect to, to purpose much more than the previous generations. So if a company is not aware of this change, for example, then at some point it won't be able to acquire good talents. And if you think about there are many research like currently 80% of the, of the employees dislike their job and around 20% actively disengaged, which means that they are working against uh, their company, uh, which means that there is a huge amount of of people potential that we waste nowadays. Another area that we that we learned recently a lot how our brain is working. It's pretty much this common sense that we have this fight or flight mode. So, for example, if I feel that I'm a bit attacked, then I can react by fighting back or flying away which was very useful when we were fighting with bears, but now we are fighting with bits. So we are living in a very different world even from this perspective. And even I just recently learned about uh, research in neuroscience that if I'm assigned a task, then it's much harder for my brain to, to keep up with the energy level. So my attention will just drop over time but if I'm working on something that uh, I was involved to define or I'm working on an insight of my own, and it's much easier to keep my attention level because the, my adrenaline level and some other chemical levels will be just higher. So even neuroscience can be very interesting to consider here. And of course, we, <clears throat> we learned a lot about uh, how people, especially adults learn, so even we need to consider this when we are creating culture or systems and all of this drive us in a direction that we need to put more effort into soft skills
0: right Um, what i'm hearing is that there are a few drivers for us talking about soft skills so much and one of them was you connecting it all to the success of the business which is of course so important economically to every company to to be successful. And then when you made the point about um, ownership or emotional ownership over tasks rather than being assigned some tasks, um, you, you talked about the science behind it and that makes me feel like soft skills are not so soft after all. They are able to be pinpointed down to... Neurology and and um, empirical research. So we are not, after all, talking about some touchy feely subject. This is science, right?
1: Yes, and and this is why it is very essential that companies improve the soft skills of employees. If you think about right now, the most common leadership style is this uh, paternal leadership, and most of the organization are hierarchical uh, or very bureaucratic organization. And those organizations are not really successful anymore. And all those companies are really feeling this pain. There are tons of books about how you can improve on this. So this this is a huge topic. I think we need better leadership and better organizational structure with much more flexibility, diversity capable to to handle all of the issues that I mentioned previously and we also need a workforce of people who you can cope with 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 this much more higher level of complexity diversity Uh, we need to work together uh, with more people nowadays so we are relying on much more collaboration and co-creation and this is another reason why we need to invest into into soft skills. And from this perspective, I think it is inevitable for a company to invest into soft skills. But the other side of this coin is that there's a tremendous amount of unlocked potential in people that we are not leveraging nowadays. And if you think about nowadays, most of the interactions in a company are more ego-based. People are less uh, self-aware so for example, collaboration in many cases are tainted by unconscious fear, uh, based reaction. Uh, even if you think about an average meeting, I'm not sure whether you had this experience or not, but sometimes it just takes like at least half an hour just to get all the people to sit at the same table, because everybody is approaching the topic uh, through their own fears. And even this is a huge waste of energy. And the same happens on leadership level as well. So many leaders are very ego-driven, sinking in silos, kingdoms, hierarchies, central strategies, and this pretty much limits the sense-making capability of the whole organization. And even, even if the leader is very smart, usually the collective intelligence always overwin that uh, the smart. So if that collective intelligence is not leveraged, then the company cannot be really, really innovative and again, we are we are missing a lot of potential. So, if we are not investing into these skills, then I think those companies we slowly or or quickly dies. And maybe this sounds a bit harsh, but even I just read about a recent uh, McKinsey research which says that the average lifespan among the Standard and Poor's top five hundred companies. In 1985, it was uh, 61 years and now it's less than 18 years. And according to to McKinsey, by 2027, 70% of those companies will disappear. This is a a broader context why we need to be more, more conscious about uh, soft skills.
0: So it kind of sounds like soft skills are the glue that pulls, a company together. So what are some of the essential soft skills in your opinions for engineering managers and for leaders in general to have?
1: I would add a side note that I think in most of the cases, I I wouldn't make a difference between uh, official leaders and and the other people inside the company. Uh, I really like the definition that, that leadership means that influencing others to uh, to take an action for a better outcome. And from this perspective, everybody inside the company is a leader, and it makes sense from the company's perspective to invest into them uh, as leaders, because if you have more and more leadership capability, then that organization will be, will be able to operate on a higher level. And if you think about this is, uh, The trend is that we are going to less and less hierarchical organization, which means that more and more responsibility will be on the teams while working on the edges, close to the customers. So even from this perspective, it makes sense to invest into everybody inside the company from this perspective. But to go back to your original question, I think there are some traits which I think are very important, like growth mindset, you mentioned ownership resilience, greed, and something I call the Creator Mindset versus the Victim Mindset, which is about that, you know, the victim always see the situations that, okay, I'm the victim of the circumstances and I have not not, not much to do to deal with the situation. On the other hand, the Creator takes responsibility and and actively shapes the reality and they try to turn uh, every situation into an opportunity and the reason i mentioned first these skills uh, or, or more traits that usually we consider these traits as more hardwired so by nature i'm good at this or not uh, but if we go deeper then there is many ways to improve on these areas as well and even from this perspective i think Emotional intelligence is the most important uh, soft skills and this is a big umbrella, there are many, many skills. We can uh, group them into four big groups. One is self-awareness, self-management, social awareness and relationship management. And now I will just quickly mention uh, the most important aspects of emotional intelligence. I think it's very important to understand what really emotions are, how they are working. Even even one can read about a bit how the brain is working from, from this perspective. And the reason why this is very important because we tend to think in a way that IQ is very important, but according to many research shows that emotional intelligence contributes much more to the success of people. So eighty percent is emotional intelligence and twenty percent is is IQ. So again, from this perspective, this is is very important. Then it is important that I can understand my strengths and my weaknesses, and I try to improve my weaknesses, but I also invest into my strengths because the return is much higher if I invest into my my strengths. Then the next level is emotional self-control. Because as I mentioned, in many cases, we feel that we are attacked. Of course, uh, we are not always aware of this. This is why self-awareness is important. So when I'm attacked, I'm reacting in a very different way. And again, there is neuroscience behind this. So this is how our brain is wired by default. Uh, but we are not a victim of our brain as well. So we can we can improve on this if we if we practice. Another big topic is like providing and and receiving feedback. Even later I will share my my own story about this, because I I needed to improve a lot on on this field. Another area is self confidence, which is something that uh, somebody can work on to be more self confident. And especially if I'm in a leadership position, it's very important that I have I have self confidence. But even from that perspective, that if I'm if I'm asked to do something that I don't agree with, then I I should be okay to raise my voice from this perspective. Self-confidence is very important. Then integrity, transparency uh, is very important. Like making smart promises, delivering those promises. If I'm making a mistake, then I'm I'm okay to acknowledge it, uh, to show vulnerability and to act according to my own values. Then adaptability doer mindset which means it's pretty much i mentioned this uh, creator mindset is very important empathy is very important in a social context it's very important to highlight that this is not sympathy so it's not like i i start feeling your feeling but uh, i pay attention to your feeling i provide my full attention to you i listen to you i understand your situation and then i act accordingly service orientation and it's not just in that context like servant leadership but uh, serving the customers serving all the stakeholders If to want to be a bit fluffy then we can say like serving the planet which is nowadays uh, more and more important Another. Big i wouldn't topic say is... it's fluffy i agree <laughs> inspiring others influencing them managing conflicts is another big big topic that one can or should improve developing others, especially in the former leadership roles. But even again, I think uh, everybody's kind of mentor in an organization because there will be tons of uh, times when I need to show you something. Uh, And in this umbrella, you know, one can learn about coaching, mentoring, how to provide good and continuous feedback Another big topic is driving change. We learned about it at Stretch uh, recently. How many, <clears throat> how many aspects is driving a successful uh, change initiatives. Building network is, again, very important as we are working in more and more complex uh, organization. And the former structure will, will fade away. So it's very important that we build our network and uh, that we can rely on. And building a high-performing team and organization is also very important from, from this perspective as well. And this, this was just the emotionally intelligent part, and I, I collected some other other interesting topic, like understanding different leadership styles. And I, don't, I don't, don't go into details uh, here, but if you search for it, then you can find uh, many, many materials related to it, creating the right culture, this is, again, a big topic, and I had like a two hours long uh, talk on, on this topic, so I'm very passionate about it. Maybe in a future occasion of the podcast, I'm happy to talk about that one as well. I think personal productivity is very important, and it's very important that from this perspective, leaders should be role model for the others, because I can have whatever good intent, but if I'm not good at... Uh, delivering things and I'm not productive enough, then I won't be able to, to make an impact. Then habit building is another very important topic, even on the personal level, but even on the organization level. Because if you think about any successful change initiative, it means that I want to make a new behavior habit. Because if I cannot make this new behavior habit, then uh, the organization will fall back to the previous state and the whole change initiative will be a failure. Decision-making is another big topic that one can invest to. There are many different aspects how we are making decision. Improving my skills on that uh, is very important from a leadership perspective. Then facilitation is another important topic. You know, many people say nowadays that actually, facilitation is the next most important leadership style. And again, if you think about that, we are heading to organizations which are more like network-based, not having formal authorities, then facilitation is a very important techniques to, to understand where the organization are, to be able to bring up the pain points and to be able to, to harness the collective intelligence of the whole organization. Continuous learning is something that one should invest and this include, like, I, I need to build out the sources of inspiration. And it's up to you which sources they use, like following Peter, people on Twitter or listening to podcasts <laughs> or reading articles, books. But I think it's very important to to find some inspirations because, uh, of course, it's very important that I should learn from my own experiences as well. Uh, but if I'm on, only focusing on... on uh, optimizing my own local context, then I can only get to a local maximum. But if if I try to find some inspiration, then I will discover some other mountains. So maybe I can, I can reach to.
0: A global maximum.
1: Yes, the global maximum. And there is always something where we can improve. So even from this perspective, this is very important. And at least for me, for example, I always, uh, I always have a framework in my mind where we could get as an organization and I'm feeling this vision by this source of inspirations. And if I don't have this vision, then it's very hard to to move my organization uh, anywhere. But if I have a strong picture uh, where we would like to get, then there is a much higher chance that uh, we will get there. I think it's important that you should invest into yourself because Maybe it's more like an Eastern European thing, but uh, many people don't really invest into themselves. They, they wait for their companies that, uh, okay, my company should train me. But I think it's a very stupid uh, approach because uh, this is how I can stay competitive on the market. And even with just buying a book, which is not a, it's not a huge investment, I can learn a lot, but there are tons of good workshops and, and, and trainings that I can learn a lot. And even from this perspective uh, it's important to understand how I can learn, how my brain is working from a learning perspective, how can I trick my brain and there are topics like uh, space repetition learning that can help a lot to acquire more knowledge or, or keep it or be able to remember for it or uh, even there is a phenomenon that if there are more stimuli around the learning then there is a higher chance that I will remember for it. This is, for example, group learning can be very efficient versus I'm just learning alone. Another big topic is, uh, which I really like, multi-perspective thinking. Because many people, and even even there is a development, uh, developmental model behind this, how adults are going through like three major stages. One is called socialized mind, when I'm on this stage, usually I try to please others. Uh, the next level is the self-authoring, self-authoring mind, which means that I just created my ego, and, and usually I try to think on a way that I know the truth, and my truth should be uh, the truth. universal. Yes, and the next level is uh, the self-transforming mind. When I realize that there are so many truths in the world, and even at the same moment, uh, it is possible that uh, there are multiple somewhat conflicting truths are, are true. And especially, uh, I even wouldn't say that for for le- from a leadership perspective, this is important, but even as an employee, I realized many times, for example, with tech lead, that they were kept by this capability, actually not by technical skills. And what was very interesting that one technical lead was a bit envious for another one, and and he perceived that other person that he's playing politics. Well, actually, this was not the case, but the other person was capable to, to understand multiple perspectives and come up with uh, with a synthesis of them and come up with a solution which was pleasing all the other stakeholders. And this way, that person was much more capable to drive their own agenda. So even from this perspective, this is important to that we improve from this perspective. And of course there are mental models, cognitive biases which are very important. And the last thing I would mention is called spiritual intelligence which is kind of the next level of emotional intelligence. And I don't want to go into too much details of this because I know that for many people this verse spirituality uh, is like they attach like religion or some as a to it which is not necessarily the case uh, for me this is much more about consciousness how conscious uh, I am in the present but I just want to mention two sources if you are interested in this topic if you search for the, the 15 commitments of conscious leadership then you will find the website and the book about this topic and we recently uh, processed the book together with my engine management team uh, it's a book from Fred Kaufman, Conscious Business. And I, I really recommend that book.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that list. It was, it seems like it was an exhaustive list. And uh, and I'm sure that um, our listeners will either have to take notes or check out uh, the blog posts written of the conversation because there was a lot to research and a lot to read about. And with that said, it's been kind of theoretical or conversation. And you talked a lot about what is under the umbrella of soft skills or people skills that we're talking about. And um, I'm sure if dearest listeners, if you start researching, you will find a lot of food for thought. I, I personally have recognized a couple of books that I have already read <laughs> when you were talking. So thank you for bringing all that together. But let's dive a little deeper into who you are and, um, and how you came to be this uh, lexicon of, uh, of soft skills and, and, and leadership. So what was your, your progress? Were you always interested in soft skills as an engineer or how did that go for you?
1: Uh, not not really, but I, I just got some feedback that made me thinking that I should invest more into this topic. I had a very good friend uh, at the Ustream, and he told me that we had an argument, which was quite heated, uh, and he told me, okay, this is why I, I don't like to work with you. You know, hearing this from a friend was like, hey, I'm just uh, trying to find the best solution. But it turned out that this not was the case, but I, I was trying to, to defend my ego in that conversation. So this was, for example, one of the moments that made me thinking that, okay, maybe I should improve or I, I, or I, I just need to try making some research, okay, why I'm working this way or why I'm behaving in some some discussion this way and I started to to realize some of my psychological drivers the two most important for me is that uh, and I don't want to go into details like why that might happen because there might be very different belief uh, among the people you know some people think that I'm victim of my previous life I'm victim of my parents I'm victim of my birth there are so many so many ideas uh, how i get some um, issues in the past that uh, that influence the way how i'm behaving now but what i realized that for me uh being right i uh, was pretty much attached to being likable and the other was that being useful was pretty much attached to being likable and of course for any any person being likable is very important uh this is part of like our core identity so if I even unconsciously feel that I'm losing that likability, then I need to fight for it. And of course, it's uh, ironically, when I was fighting for it, I was not the most uh, lovable person. <laughs> so even from this perspective, if I start to understand those triggers, then I have a much better chance to, to stay likable. And uh, what is really cool in this topic, and I I will later talk about it a little that if I start realizing this, uh, these triggers, then I can turn them into a superpower, like a spider sense. Um, Another big topic was me, like how how can I be more conscious in more and more situations? Because when I started to learn about these topics, then I realized that I'm, I'm absolutely not conscious in many situations. Another big topic was, for me, as I mentioned, like uh, providing and receiving feedback, which is pretty much is related to the to the previous uh, topic, because in many cases I become very defensive when I receive the feedback, or if I feel that I'm very criticized, then even I sometimes I just attack back, and I, I was I was very good at w- with words, so I was able to win those arguments in many cases but let's say that I, I lost the war by winning those, those battles. And in many cases, my driver was when I'm giving feedback, not necessarily helping the other party, but like controlling or showing that I'm very smart, or, or even in some cases like dominating the discussion. Uh, so even from this perspective, uh, investing into, into self-awareness is very important because otherwise, in many cases, we were just uh, driven by the autopilot, and and those those actions reactions are not necessarily the best that that we can do. Another very interesting topic for me was the uh, the relationship of control and impact, because when I was let's say less mature, then I was very sensitive about somebody's crossing my area that i was leading or the boundaries i really wanted to control what is happening there and because of that i was less collaborative uh, as i should have That's this behavior was limiting the growth or the overall impact of that area so actually it was not the best strategy but i was not aware of it and i was not conscious about my presence in that uh, dynamics and in my mind, my impact was connected to this controlling function. And as I mentioned this way, I, I was pretty much limiting my my impact because I didn't help to assume a broader set of responsibilities, because you know, even my my boss at that time perceived me that I'm not somebody who is very great at collaborating with uh, on a broader level. I was a bit defensive. And when I started to understand that, uh, what is behind this behavior from a self-awareness perspective, I was able to give up this control and nurture a more rich cooperation with the rest of the organization. And as a result, I was invited to have a higher level of responsibility. And this is when I became the VP of engineering at, at Ustream. So even from this perspective, it was a fruitful investment. And what was very paradoxical in this, when I give up control, I see more impact.
0: How nicely said.
1: (laughs) Yes. Another hardship for me was uh, building less frames. And by that mean that it is very natural part of how we are thinking that we are creating like mental frames and we are absorbing the world through those lenses. uh, Which means that even at the input I'm distorting the the reality and for me it was very easy to put somebody into a box and it was not necessarily easy for them to get out of that box and the issue was that uh, and even nowadays I realize that if I have a conflict if I'm reflecting back okay what actually happened here then sometimes I can find some thoughts which were important that I run into this uh, conflict mode and those those were not necessarily true, but those were coming through one of the frame that I developed. So this is something that I am actively try to work on to try to be not presented with those frames or not or try not building those frames, but try to try to assess every situation uh, as a separate or, or distinct situation.
0: Wow. And thank you. You have mentioned a few things that you tried to improve on and and how these improvements ended up being successful but but how did you improve? What what did you do? What can somebody who is listening to us do to improve besides buying a couple books?
1: So as I mentioned, I think the most important aspect is emotional intelligence. So this is where I would start. And of course, I, I learned a lot about so many aspects of engineering, leadership, organizational design. But I think the most impactful was improving my, my self-awareness. That helped me to understand what are were those subconscious triggers that turn me into this fight or flight mode. And after a while I started to better control my emotion in those situations. And as you somewhat uh, mentioned that this was a long trip, so it was not uh, it was not happening from one day to the other. I think the first, first step was like I started to learn about personality types. But this was not really giving me an answer because learning about personality types just helped me to understand why others are stupid. <laughs> But when I started to improve my self-awareness, and for me this was happening, I was taking part of a coaching school. And then I started to learn much more about myself. And I tend to say that this is where I started to realize why I'm stupid. So I started to learn coaching. Um, I started to learn nonviolent communication. And this is, for example, something I would really recommend to everybody you can think about it a bit like a Trojan horse, because on the surface this is like a communication uh, tool. And why shouldn't I, I? Why shouldn't I improve myself from a communication perspective, especially in a leadership role? But if I start learning about nonviolent communication, especially if I have a good teacher, then this will start uh, a self-awareness uh, journey. So I will start learning about myself, about my emotions. Even I start building that capacity that, at the same moment, I can focus on what is happening in this discussion. But I still have some capacity to, to check my own emotions, which are very important because if I'm not aware of my own emotions, then I, I can't control them. It's, it's very, it's very simple. And I learned many other techniques. So I was participating in many workshops. Even I can't recall all of them, but all of them just uh, you know gave me some some nuggets. And even sometimes, not necessarily the knowledge was important because usually I have much more knowledge than uh, what I really leverage. But in some cases, I just had a very body level experience that, wow, this seems interesting. So from that point, I started to have the the motivation uh, for really leveraging that knowledge. And I think you mentioned that I'm a kind of lexicon, but actually this is a trap. Because sometimes I'm spending much more time with acquiring new knowledge than working on myself. So even this can be a trap uh, that I'm learning a lot, but not uh, leveraging that knowledge. But I think it's really important that I I need to create space for self-reflection. This is probably the most important aspect. This can be just dedicated time. It can be journaling being in a coaching uh, session with, with somebody and what was an interesting experience for me that, as I mentioned I, I was part of many heated discussions and when I started to work on myself then and I started to reflect back those events then I, I started to find what was my responsibility on those uh, situations and, and what was those very moments when I started to go south and when I started to to lose the control over my emotions. And as I was practicing this more and more, then the delta between when this happened and when I did the reflection was smaller and smaller. And after a point, uh, in many cases, this could became uh, real time. So I started to build that capacity that I can understand real time. Oops, okay, now I'm triggered okay, now I need to improve my consciousness, otherwise I will go into this uh, fight-or-flight mode. Uh, And this helped me me a lot. And I mentioned that we can consider these triggers as weaknesses, but if I'm thinking from this creator mindset, uh, we can turn them into kind of superpower. So when I started to improve my self-awareness, then I started to feel somebody's sensation. When I started to go into, let's say, the stupid modes, and and over time, this this develops. So now even when I'm writing an email and I'm just trying to poke somebody even a little, then the spider sense just uh, brings the bells that, hey, <laughs> you are doing something bad. <laughs> you should think about it. And even sometimes I decide to follow that path because sometimes this this. PT discussions or this type of dynamics can can give a lot of uh, energy or kind of experience. But of course, nowadays, I'm I'm much more conscious when I'm doing this and I, I try to avoid doing it.
0: Awesome. So just so we can clarify, it sounds like the thing that helped you most was building your self awareness. That help you find the direction to not get lost in the entire knowledge base of of soft skills of the internet or our world. Yeah. But what what methods did work for you? What did you do to be more self aware? You mentioned that somebody gave you feedback once, and and that was very powerful. But how did you start building your own self awareness dictionary?
1: So as I, I mentioned for me the most impactful was nonviolent communication from this perspective and this coaching school I was taking because there even we were practicing coaching and and I just learned about you know many many models which are behind this situation and when I started to understand okay what does it mean that I have subconscious triggers, then even on a cognitive level I was able to connect the dots. And, and of course, this is a never ending journey. So, this is not something, okay, I'm done. I'm good. This is something that I need to continuously put effort into it. I need to reflect into the situation. And even, even nowadays, feedback can be really helpful because if somebody providing me a feedback, which is about a very different reality, which is my reality, then um, I need to think about it. And this is why I, I was participating in many other types of workshops. Because in many cases, what I gained from those workshops just being aware of a new trigger. Oh, I have this trigger as well, and, and maybe this is not for everybody. Because uh, I'm a person who is living most of my times in my head, which is not good. <laughs> so I'm a very cognitive-driven person, but for me, it can't really help. If I, so if I start understanding something, then I'm, I'm good at building those triggers and using those rules or experiences to assess uh, the current situations.
0: All right. Thank you. Now that we have established that, what soft skills, in your opinion, are typically a problem to acquire for for engineers? Let's not differentiate between engineering managers or leaders and engineers for engineers in general?
1: Emotional intelligence, (laughs) Uh, of course, and this self-awareness topic, I think is very important because this is the foundation of everything else because if I'm self-aware, then I put myself into a situation that I can consciously decide about my reaction and not being driven by the autopilot that I mentioned. As I mentioned, uh, I, I would really send everybody to a online communication training and this can be a good good starting point and even I, I realized on myself that as i was not needed to spend as much time with my ego it improved tremendously my listening skills so now i'm much better at understanding a situation understanding many different perspectives and how can i i merge them together and how can i synthesize a win-win situation so even from this perspective this can be very useful. And also NVC helps a lot to to take responsibility, which I think is another important area for everybody, which is related to this creator-victim mindset that I should take more and more responsibility about what is happening around me. Because uh, what I noticed And this is, again, true for for leaders and non-leaders as well, that if there is a problem uh, or an issue, then we try to think about it that it is more about uh, the attitudes of people. But in many cases, this is not true, especially because we can't assess the attitude of somebody. We can just notice what you say, what you do. But I can't assess your attitude. But, you know, there are many biases here, like this fundamental attribution error, which is about if, if something bad happening, then we try to overemphasize the internal attributes of a people and under-emphasize uh, the external circumstances. But if I, I try to think on a way that if there is a system uh, and the system drives the behavior, then in most of the cases what's happening that the people are Taking the role that the system directs to them, so in many cases, if I try to think about what parts of the system or the environment is responsible for driving that behavior, then I will ha- I will find much more options to improve. And even if I try to, if I try to think about how am I responsible for that situation, I can again find some very, very interesting exit or, or resolution. And this is a very, very, very interesting aspect that I I would like to highlight because, you know, in many cases, how we think about, you know, what was happening, sometimes we are thinking that there was some kind of cause and the effect. But in many cases, this is not true because with my own communication, I can shape or create reality. If you think about if I'm very judgmental with you, then it will be defensive. And then I can say, hey, why are you defensive? I just told you some things. The other part of this equation is that I have some mental models about the given situation, and those mental models have a very strong influence on my communication. So actually what is happening that my own mental models create reality. For you. Uh, not just for me. Uh, even in the external world, to give you a, a very easy to understand example, there are those very typical bosses who believes that, you know, people in general are lazy and I need to push them uh, to get results. So what is happening that I start to micromanage them, even probably my communication, they can feel that I don't trust them. Uh, and what is happening in that environment probably won't be super engaged and people probably deliver the minimum expected results result and what is happening on my side, uh, that uh, my mental model is reinforced.
0: Yeah. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Yes. And this is why this was a very tangible example, but actually this is happening all the times with, with all of us. And, and the biggest trap in this is that we are, we are considering this as a learning process. But actually, this is not a learning process, because we are creating a situation that we would like to experience. So even from this perspective, being very aware of uh, how we are impacting the situation is very important. Because otherwise, we can think that, OK, we can blame others, and this was others' fault that we get into this situation. And this is especially important in in the relation of company culture. Because you know what is happening, uh, several times we have very nice words on the wall or we have some very nice documents about the culture, but many processes or or many actions uh, of leaders in the organization are not congruent with those values. And at the end, the culture will be very different. And always this this implicit culture always wins over this explicit culture
0: Right. If we are talking about the exact culture, we don't have to talk about bitrise. We can just talk about your direction. Um, how do you kind of help your team to become better with their soft skills? How do you how do you help the engineering managers who are working for you or are on your team? if you are in a more network sort of mm-hmm. mindset.
1: But first, let, let me adjust one more to, to the previous topic. And maybe All right. can edit it. <laughs> but I forget to mention that providing and giving feedback is something that most people are not very great at. Probably are shy. We believe that if I give you any candid feedback that it might hurt our relationship. And again, this is a trap because if I'm not giving that uh, feedback to you, that will hurt the relationship. Then later, for example, I need to fire you, and then you are surprised that hey, you never told me that this is an issue. So I think this is an, an area where we really need to improve uh, all of us, because feedback is like is like uh, the oil of the machine. So if you, if you need to put that oil into the machine, then it will erode, and the whole organization will just erode. But back to your question, for me one of the most important tools which is not a big surprise are the one-on-ones where i try to provide uh, meaningful feedback and actually this is something that i I really wanted to improve and even for example when i joined bitrise it was a very conscious decision that i want to be better and i want to be like more brave or more candid when i'm I'm giving feedback actually it was a great experience even though it was a bit hard to uh to start and, you know, on the, on the one-on-ones, I, I try to leverage my knowledge. I try to help people to reflect back on their own situation. I would say that I'm stronger right now at mentoring than coaching, but I try to be stronger at coaching. This is something I, I would like to approach. Uh, but for me, it's very easy. If I'm not very conscious, then for me, it's very easy to, to turn into this problem-solving mode, which, of course, is not the best best approach from developing others. Then we have some team learning events. As I mentioned now, we just started to process this Fred Kaufman book. And even we are working with an external coach to have some training, actually about coaching. Everybody has their own training budget at BitRise. So even when you can learn individually, if you want. Oh yes, and I think what is very important, even from this perspective, like leading by example, because as I mentioned, that if leaders think on a way that they are already okay and they don't need to improve, then they just provide a very bad uh, example to the rest of the organization. And as I mentioned, there is always something to learn. So it's very important that I keep learning myself and I try to share some of those knowledge with the others, even even I can help them this way and even I can provide a good example for them. And I think the overall culture of the organization can can help a lot from this perspective. Because you know, many companies, they tend to say that like innovation is very important, Uh, but actually what is happening, they're very bureaucratic, very risk-aware. But for example, at Bitrise, we just stated that we we want to have people with a growth mindset. You know, we are in hyper-growth period, which means that the knowledge I have today it won't be enough like a year from now or six months from now so it's it's part of the game that we need to learn because otherwise uh, we won't be able to stay successful and you know having a blameless culture is very important for us we even emphasize that it's absolutely okay to fail and of course you shouldn't fail just to fail you should fail to learn and i think if we can provide this environment to people we can accelerate uh, their learning because i think the most important learning is what is happening as part of the work
0: i have a question here that i'm kind of reluctant to ask because you just mentioned that um, it's part of your manifesto to have the growth mindset of your people but if there is any resistance towards improving or towards learning about soft skills or coaching how do you handle it what do you do what do you tell your your engineering managers
1: so first i always really try to really understand the situations because you know it can be a situation that i think that i, I have some gifts to you uh, but you don't need a gift in that case there will be a bit of resistance because hey fellow, the fuck are you doing here i don't need it as, as I mentioned I have a vision so I have a good understanding where we'd really like to get over time and I always try to understand you know what are the aspiration of the individual people and among those areas I, I can always find some some intersection and if I can find the intersection then there will be buy-in uh, by default so there won't be a big resistance. Uh, but even, for example, if we design the workshop, we discussed that, hey, I have this plan. What do you think about it? How should we improve it or what we what should we change on it? So even in many cases, the way how we put together the workshop is a co-creation. And again, this way there will be a buy-in because I will be part of uh, defining that workshop. So I think it's what, what is very important that it should be meaningful for those who are part of the workshop. Well, if there was a case that uh, this is not true, Even in that case, I should be very, very clear why I believe that this is very important for us. So decisions should be very, very clear. And my reasoning behind that decision should be very clear because this way I can still get some buy-in. All
0: right. So when hiring, you just mentioned the growth mindset as something that's explicit with you guys. How do you evaluate? What do you ask? Do you have a soft skill test uh, for for people who apply to BitRise? Or or what do you do?
1: So it's part of the, the default process that we have a cultural interview. And, and on that cultural interview, we just try to assess the candidate from some of the perspective I mentioned, like growth mindset, receiving, giving feedback, how easy for them is to fail, for example, I see they can learn. Being data even is something important uh, for us. So it's part of the of the interview process. And we, we try to make sure that we try to remove, remove biases from the process. So we have scorecards. So it's not I have a very different uh, interview with you than with somebody else. We try to go through the same questions. And in every interview, we have at least two people. And even I noticed in many cases that my assessment about somebody was very different than my peers. So even this is very, very useful to remove some biases from the process. And for example, in the case of the engineering managers, I'm doing the the hiring manager interview and the hiring manager interview is is much more about the people skills. So I try to assess, you know, what is there leadership, arts political, what is their tool set, how they are dealing with people, how they are dealing with a conflict. Uh, so we try to understand. And it was a, a bit sad experience to me that in many cases I noticed that there were some some great candidates from that perspective that I think they had great values and great mindset but they socialized in very bad companies or with companies with not ideal culture, or at least from our perspective, not ideal culture. And because of that, they, they were not a good fit for us. But my impression was that people management at many of the companies nowadays is not really important or not really done well, which is kind of sad because uh, only people can realize anything at the company. So it's very important that we invest into them and we treat them well. And what is also, I think it's very important that uh, not just the hiring, but the other side of the equation, when we, when we let somebody leave the organization. And this is another topic that I noticed that at many places, this is not managed well, and even I was not really great at for, for many times. Because, you know, I, I was a bit sad about that person, but the problem is that if I'm not dealing with the lower performance, then I'm actually setting a new standard uh, at the company. And that standard is is, is very bad for, for multiple reasons. For example, you know, it can signal to people, okay, this is the good if enough experience, and many great talents will leave because they would like to be part of, a, of an A-team. Uh, and for them, that result is just not good enough. So I can, I can cause a lot of harm if I'm not dealing with, with removing those people for whom this culture is not a good fit. Because it's not necessarily there, it's not like they are good or bad. Uh, just this current environment is not really good for them.
0: Right. And hence, dearest listeners, be brave when you give feedback to people and constructive. Yes. But that's a yes. So we are kind of uh, through with our questions, but I have one thing that I would really like to ask you. If somebody is listening to us from a company where perhaps soft skill training and awareness is not so great right now, What would you suggest be the first step they do? How can someone try to help the company start going in this more self-aware way?
1: I think one, and this is probably true for any type of change initiatives, they said that you shouldn't try to, to fight the stupids. You need to find the first allies. So in many cases, it can work that you start small and you maybe just find some peers and you start a discussion with them. And and then maybe you just start crafting some experiments that you will run like, okay, let's have a small workshop about like nonviolent communication and try to assess that it has a positive impact on the team. And if I can start building some uh, some cases, then I can start going to the top level leadership team or a higher level leadership team and showcase them. Okay, hey, look, we started to invest into this topic and it has a very positive effect because this way I can showcase the impact and I'm not trying to sell something theoretical. So maybe this could be one one way of starting. But I think what is very important always to think about in a way that every every change to start from the inside. So if I really want to change something externally, then I first need to find what I need to change internally. And this is a very important aspect. And this is again, uh, from a creator mindset, this means that even if I'm part of a very toxic environment, of course, I always have the option to leave it, but I have always, it's under my decision whether I start to work on myself. And if I start working on myself, then then maybe I will better understand whether I have some parts of creating that toxic environment or not. And maybe I can start changing that environment. Or probably if not, then I will leave. So there are some dangers if I, if I start to change. But I'm quite sure that the overall journey will be very joyful. There will be some some painful parts, but I think the overall impact will be very, very positive.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else you would like to add that we haven't touched on and you think is important?
1: I think uh, you were very extensive with the questions. <laughs> that was very extensive with the answers. So I think we are quite good.
0: All right. That's why we are here. And how can our listeners follow your work?
1: Actually, nowadays I'm not very active on the social media. Actually, I, I have a plan to be more active. When I created uh, Domain Leadership Starts Inside, uh, and I plan to have some blog posts there, but uh, there is only one post there right now, which is actually a mind map about this culture talk that I, I mentioned. But you can start following me on, on Twitter, and if I'm activating myself, then I will start sharing this information there.
0: Alright. Thank you. Thank you for jumping on the show. It was so awesome to have you and and thank you for for sharing all of this with us because it's been really extensive and I loved it honestly. Today my guest was Gagai Hodicska, aka Felhö, as you might know him. He's the VP of Engineering at Rise and we talked about the importance of soft skills. Dearest listeners, if you've been enjoying the show and haven't done so, please subscribe and leave a review on the Level Up Engineering podcast on Apple Podcasts. I am Karolina Toth, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.